Hello, and welcome to Saying the Skein. I'm Doug. And I'm Tristan. And Benjamin J. Tankersley. Oh. And Elijah Wardrick Walls. Oh. Where the heck are you? Heckin', where the bleep are you? <gasps> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, uh, both Ben and Elijah chose to, to not be here this week. Um, but that's okay. Tristan, do you know why that's okay? No, tell me. Tristan, that's okay, because we have a lovely, lovely guest, and and she is a first-time guest to Saying the Skein, so wow. it, is, it is just a fun time all around. Uh, Tristan, uh, would you care to introduce our guest? Yes, uh, I would care, Doug. Uh, thanks for asking. This is, drumroll please, this is Aaron Stevens. Welcome to the hey podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yay, you're welcome. Thank you for being <laughs> on, Aaron. Uh, well, Aaron, why don't you uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, you know, uh, who you are, what you do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, favorite style of soup, things of that nature. Style of soup. Style soup. of soup. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds sounds good. Um, so I am a. I call myself a half baked pediatric behavior and learning psychologist because I'm in the process of becoming uh, a school psychologist. I'm working on my PhD right now. Um, fun time. So what that means is I'm hanging out with um, a lot of people who are um, involved in kiddos lives and uh, wanting to make them better. Um, but then when I'm not doing that, I'm hanging out with my cat and my lizard. So um, <laughs> as to soup, I'm not a huge soup fan. Um, I like chili. Chili style of I think I think chili uh, fits firmly into the stew category. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what? Actually, I can't even say that because um, uh, I'm having an event uh, at, uh, at the church I work at in a couple weeks called the Soup Herbal. Um, oh no! <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing a Super Bowl watch party, uh, oh, and and we're bringing lots of different kinds of soup. And I'm making chili, so I guess by that definition, chili is a soup. There you go. Well, uh, but you know a place where it is definitely not chili, Florida. But, but a place where it is soupy, Florida. It is. It is also soupy, um, <laughs> Florida. And the reason, <laughs> listeners, that I delivered that cringy segue is because this week y'all we had the uh the experience of watching <laughs> sean baker's 2017 hit film uh the florida project it's not called uh the florida project it's called the florida project uh and this movie has got quite the cast of characters uh it's got brooklyn prince bria vanette uh, excuse me uh bria vanate vanite vanite I'm very sorry. Venate? Uh, Venate. Venate. I'm very sorry. Bria, uh, I know you're listening. I'm sorry. We messed Bria, up. <laughs> Bria, we, we know that you listen. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones, Christopher Rivera, uh, Valerie, Valeria Cotto. I'm just not saying names right tonight. I'm very sorry, everyone. Uh, and a whole lot of other folks. Uh, but listeners, the main man of this movie, the the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Willem Dafoe, aka Willem Dafriend, 
um, <laughs> is is in this movie. And good lord, his jawline could not be more chiseled. It it is it is a sight for sore eyes. Um, I well, probably, Doug, thank you for saying that. So I I didn't have to. And um, you can you can. I kid you not. I watched this movie tonight, and I was like, dang, I forgot just how chiseled that jawline is. Um, <laughs> Ratings-wise, this movie has a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 92% on Metacritic, and an 86% on the Google. Uh, this movie was made for a budget of $2 million and grossed $10.9 million um, and was produced by our good friends, A24. Uh, so yeah, quite, quite a picture that we're talking about this week. Um, Aaron, Tristan, uh, would either of y'all like to tell the lovely listeners about your experience with this movie sure i saw this movie uh probably a year ago on the recommendation of a friend and i watched it in the middle of the day no one was around it's on netflix so i watched it and i didn't know what i was in for but i was hooked on the screen because this is exactly my type of movie and like literally to a T could not get more web up in here. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I laughed. Actually, I didn't, I cried and I cried. And <laughs> that was my experience. Middle of the day, like probably a Sunday or something, just watching this movie. Well, my experience was um, on Tristan's suggestion myself and uh, some family members sat down to watch the Florida project um so I have to be kind of in the mood for like a I guess I would call this maybe a social drama um because usually I like more of the like sci-fi thrillers action but I will I'll tell you like as similarly to Tristan uh, you know it didn't take but maybe five minutes and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm invested. Um, I moved. I want to see um, where this is going. And it, um, it's not for everybody, I think, but my experience was, um, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, so, so I have an interesting uh, sort of experience with this movie because the first time I ever even heard about this movie uh, was, in a, uh, was in a production design class uh, at college. Um, and the leader of my group was like, let's do our show based entirely off the Florida project. So like setting, uh, scenic design, everything like that. So I studied a lot of this movie's, uh, scenic elements, its color scheme, uh, before I ever saw the movie. And then, uh, five days before I graduated from college, uh, on May 16th, I have the date written down because Tristan texted me about it. Uh, Tristan Webb asked me to come over and see the Florida Project with him. It was the 100th movie that I watched last year um, and the last movie I watched before I graduated from college. Uh, and man, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie <laughs> that are, uh, I think, I think somewhat in line, somewhat contradictory to uh, what, uh, to what Aaron and Tristan uh Think, but that's okay that's okay that's why we that's have why discourse here. that's why we have discussions like this absolutely um 
Well, uh, Tristan, Aaron, uh, would either of you like to sort of tell the listeners what the general story of this is, of this movie is? Yeah, I can. Is that cool? Or do you want to, Aaron? I, I, we can, how about we tag team it? We All tag right, cool. It. So you start with, uh, I mean, it, it's, there, it's not like the most linear plot. Like, um, well, I guess it is. It kind of is actually. Yeah. To me, it's like it's really like a slice of life. Yeah, it is. In this I mean, particular place. What's what's the name of the town? Uh, Kissimmee. Kissimmee. Kissimmee, Wait, Florida. Kiss, kiss, kiss. It's Florida people. It's a Florida Kissimmee. project. Yeah, Kissimmee. <laughs> this is the Florida project for Florida people. <laughs> so you've got you've got a mother and a daughter who live in a motel in Kissimmee Florida if you know anything and we'll get into this later but if you know anything about um the middle Florida specifically Orlando Lakeland Kissimmee that area it's if you're not on Disney property it's it's poor and this is a place that showcases pretty well um um, it's a it's a motel that is painted to look like the funness of Disney World. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's called the Magic Kingdom, actually, or something like that. Magic Castle. Um, Ma- Magic Castle, yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, and it's just it's just about yeah th- th- their relationship, relationship with the people around them at the hotel, how that how the mother makes ends meet, the little girl Mooney, her relationship with her friends around there how they move forward the manager helping them and being around as like just a good man just a good man mm-hmm. yeah i think it's it's just everyday life in um this this setting that maybe we don't get to see as much because it's overshadowed by you know the big bright exciting disney world that's right next door um, but yeah. then it's yeah, just showing kind of the everyday life struggles of mom and a kiddo. Yeah, and well, first of all, thank you both of you. But um, but let's sort of dive in right there. You know, one of the sort of unsung heroes of this movie, one of the biggest characters of this movie, is Kissimmee, Florida, the city that is you know. It's right out, it's it's right next to Disney World, it's right next to Orlando, it's near Universal Studios. And you you constantly feel that. I think you can watch this movie and you don't even fully realize just how close they are to Disney until, you know, they outright say it. But you can watch this movie, not even realize how close they are to Disney, and you feel the impact of Disney World. You feel the impact of Universal Studios so close, and the the setting really does play a play a part in this movie because you know you're near these two meccas of American excess, and you have this insane amount of poverty right here. Uh, in these in these motels yeah 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 um i mean like i mentioned it's it's just smack dab in the middle of everything uh that i mean a lot of people in this movie 
we'll, we'll talk about this later, but they're first time actors. And so that adds a lot to, if, when, when you watch it, you notice that it's just, it's just, it feels like people in their natural habitat. And if you've ever been to a poor motel or, or driven past one or seen it, it most of the movie takes place there. And it's, uh, it's, it, it just, it just is, is like super, uh, what's the word? It's um, super realistic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so I think Doug's right. You, they don't have to say straight out, oh, look over there it's Disney. Um, it's just, it's kind of written all over the whole piece, uh, right from the beginning, you know, all the motels, like we said, they're magic castle, future land, wishing star, um, all brightly painted. And then as the story progresses, you even start to see how the characters like interact in a, in a distant way with the tourism. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, a scene where, uh, the mom is, um, making some cash off of um, some unused Disney bands or something like that. So it's, it's, uh, they never come out and say it, but it is right there. And it's uh, Disney and Universal kind of permeated um, the community. It is. I mean, there. The, the, the reason that a lot of these communities are, are existing is based off the tourism that Disney and Orlando or, and Universal provide. Um, I mean, people stay in hotels and resorts around these areas. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the economy is for tourism. But and, not at these motels. Right. No. Unless it's by mistake. Um, exactly. <laughs> or if you are also, you know, just try, if you're going to Disney and you're trying to live cheaply, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. just I think for like a day or two, I guess. It strikes me, actually. When you were saying that, that um, you know, this isn't a neighborhood outside of Disney. It's a motel where people are living. So it's you know, possibly, quite possibly, the motel would have even been, you know, maybe something that a, a tourist would have initially um, kind of come and and put money into and stay there um, in order to go to Disney. But you know, these are people who are actually living there long-term because of their socioeconomic situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think that the movie does a really great job of showing, you know, that, that huge divide, really just that, Mm -hmm. that divide of uh, you have, you, you don't see a lot of it, but you see occasional tourists who are, you know, clearly they're just passing through. They are going to drive mm-hmm. through this city without a second thought. But for all these other people who are living here, you know, for, for Moody, for Haley, her mom, um, you know, this is their this is their everyday life. This is their home. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that the movie does a really good job of sort of instilling uh of instilling its characters with a sense of pride for for where they live but also mm. there's that clear desire uh from them that you know we want something better than this we want to to be able to move on from this place eventually yeah, yeah. by the way this is a real motel that exists oh wow like you can stay there now 
Wow. I just looked it up. I would. Is it is it bright purple? Yeah. Or pastel purple? Yeah. Wow. So that's um, as real as real as a set gets. It's like people are probably actually living there, and they just yeah. happen to, you know, share a story of a, a made up family, but um, a very very real place and real lives. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of real life, uh, Tristan mentioned this earlier, but a lot of the performers in this movie, this is their first movie. And, you know, uh, the director, Sean Barker, has even gone on to say that some of the people that are in this movie were just just residents of the of the of the hotel. Um, so know. even even the mom, the lady no, who played Haley, uh, Haley was not Haley was an actor this was just her first on-screen role um still that's that's yeah. incredible yeah definitely and I assume the kiddos definitely didn't have a long you know list of movies credits. yeah I mean uh Tristan Tristan said before we started recording but uh but really the only person in this cast who has had any sort of a career prior to the movie now granted some of the actors have gone on to have a couple other film roles yeah. since this mm-hmm. movie. Oh, okay. Uh, especially, like the girls. especially, okay. uh, especially them. Uh, the actress who played Haley. Um, okay. she, she's been in several projects since this came out. She's done a few things. So is Mooney. Yeah. Yeah. But I, well, I, I, I wanted to know go ahead. this, like Bria, who played Haley. She took three, at least on Wikipedia, it says she had three weeks of acting classes wow. before production began. Like she was not an actor. Sean Baker found her on Instagram as like an influencer and then reached out to her because she was living a similar lifestyle in Florida. I want to say that's, I mean, that's not the sole reason, but that is a huge reason why her performance and honestly, everybody's performance in this movie is so compelling is because um i swear it's just like they're just living their lives um you know they're they're not acting it out i know um or i i think tristan had maybe mentioned um before we started that the script wasn't entirely you know word for word there was or maybe doug you were saying this but there's a lot of ad-libbing um and i just think about the like the scenario on set that must have allowed you know these unexperienced actors to really come through with this this amount of naturalness um mm-hmm. like that's some good directing that's some good on set yeah mojo going on yeah yeah like i wonder how he got those performances out of these kids you know well but for the most part it doesn't feel like he got it out of them i swear okay there's this one (laughs) i think i even said it out loud as i was watching with my family the first time um there's this one scene or a shot really a long shot where um uh the kiddo mooney and her friends i think it's scooty or scooty well it's 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 a little boy scooty um i think it might have been all three of them no you're good anyway so it's the kiddos and they're just sitting on this brightly painted wall and uh, it's just hot and you can tell they just told the kids okay sit on this wall we'll be back and like click turned on the camera and like left them I swear because they're just sitting there like you know knocking their head against the wall like trying to amuse themselves somehow it's just like it's yeah. so real it's just yeah. kids being kids and it's 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 really beautiful I mean you know you can imagine they probably gave the adults some you know like fed them some sure. lines or a scenario Absolutely. 
and then just said to the kids, hey, just just exist in this scene or, yeah. you know, and then yeah. be and mad. That's what it feels happy. like anyway. So Yeah. I, it, yeah. And it, I mean, it feels so authentic. Yeah, definitely. Um, and go ahead. I was going to talk about Willem Dafoe. Okay, I'm gonna say one thing before we talk about Willem Dafresh. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I think that really, because the first time I watched this, I really struggled to see what the sort of aim of this movie was. And I still I still sort of wrestle with that. I don't know exactly what Sean, Sean Baker was was trying to to really do with this movie. Uh, but I think it's very clear that one of the things he wanted to do was set up this very intense, uh, very depressing scenario and slice of life uh, for, for audiences to look at. But he wanted us to see it through a kid's eyes. And I mm. think because yeah. he got, because he was able to get so such natural performances out of the kids, you know, most likely just by letting them sort of exist in, yeah. in the everyday world. Um, it really does feel like you're looking at it through a little kid. Mm-hmm. Now, all that being said, my friends, Willem Dafoe, good Lord. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that man. Willem Dafoe <laughs> is incapable of giving a bad performance. Willem Dafoe is like, you could take the, you could take the worst movie in the world, put Willem Dafoe in it for exactly 38 seconds, and that mm-hmm. movie would gladly gladly accept a nomination for best picture at the oscars i i think what i'm hearing is there's a halo effect around defoe he uh he just brightens and uh and uh makes everything around him shine i absolutely agree (laughs) i mean what can i what can i say willem defoe catches me in willem defeels well we've talked about it before and he's he's not only a great actor He's across the board praised as like one of the best people to work with as well. Yeah. That's awesome. Like that's like, I just love it that he's effortless to li- like, it's effortless to like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> and yet in a lot of <laughs> movies, he plays a villainous or anti-hero character. Not in this one. It's because it's because of his last name. He gets yeah. typecast. He's Dafoe. As Dafoe. You know what it is? Yeah. It's a combination of his last name and that jawline. That jawline <laughs> could cut steel. All um, right, we know you like the jawline. <laughs> okay. Willem Dafoe is one of exactly three actors on this podcast <laughs> that we've talked about on this podcast that I unabashedly just have a man crush on. Um, hey, I I support you and your yeah. man crush. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, but no, no, I think, and I even told Chris, Christian, Tristan, this is the first time that I yes. watched this movie with him. When he came on screen, my suspect, my suspicion was he was going to be the antagonist for the film. And yes, yes. And, and it would have been so easy for him to have been the, it would the have villain. Been. It would have yes. been so easy for him to be the Mr. Mosby of the of the film yes. or the Tim Curry, another one of my man crushes mm-hmm. from Home Alone 2 of the movie. But he's he's this genuine genuinely good man who mm. who he hates his situation as much as anyone mm. and he hates it for them too you yeah know? well and what what comes through more about him and his his character to me is not so much that he 
and not so much his hate of the situation but his like his need to try and fix it and make it better um and protect the kiddos and um just you know just step into that father role for some of these kind yeah. of people who are uh you know struggling to find their way in life um so it, it's not so much that he's you know he's not a passive um standby observer. kind of character he's yeah not thank you not an observer he's um actively trying to do anything he can that uh is within his power to make things better and i think that's why he's such a the character so um yeah just so good like you said just a good man just he's just a good man there's nothing like watching not... a movie and you find just a good man well i yes I, I also think like, and I, I feel like throughout the entire movie, it's shot in a way where if you were to just look at this movie and you had no context for it, if you were just to see a snippet of it or like 30 seconds that has Willem Dafoe in it, you don't have any of the audio, you genuinely would think that he is sort of this antagonizing presence. Like, I think a great example of that is the scene where, uh, is the same where, the social services worker is talking with Mooney and mm. you know they're they're gonna take her away from her mom and Willem Dafoe is just walking mm. across the walking across the foreground just sort of just sort of walking in front of Mooney at the end of the mm. staircase and if you have no context for it if you have no context mm. for that scene it looks like he's trying to block her way it looks like he's trying mm -hmm. to keep her from from getting away from the social worker but with the context of the movie and with you knowing what their relationship is, it becomes mm -hmm. much more of this sort of fatherly presence of like, hey, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm here. Don't worry. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah. That's a great way yeah. of putting it. And also when the social worker takes Mooney aside and he's there with her, like he, mm -hmm. he you know, he's just, I mean, on paper, he's just an employee but he's, mm -hmm. he's way more than that. And he, he's right yeah. there in the thick of it. One of the hardest moments of this little girl's life. He's right there mm -hmm. with her, you know? I'm about to cry, I, like it's so beautiful. I know, <laughs> I know, um, I, I assume we're all okay with spoilers, right? Is it okay oh, if yeah. I just come right out and say oh, what's yeah. going on at the end of the movie? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think what you were saying, Doug, about how easy it would have been for Defoe to be the bad guy, um, and how how beautifully they, uh, the, the writers and the directors, navigated him not being that bad guy is is definitely shown in that exact area you're talking about, Tristan, when the social workers are coming because um, I think it's left up to us to decide who may be called the social worker on the mom. Um, but there's a high chance that it was this manager um and to the mom and the kid in that moment that is the bad guy role splitting them up uh he he you know he's the one who was doing the sniffing around into how mom was getting you know her new cash flow and, and figures out you know what's really going on um so in a lot of ways he is the one who brings about this heartbreaking experience but within the context you know it's because he's just trying to help and he's mm -hmm. just trying to do uh, a hard but 
but good thing. So yeah, all, all the kudos to Defoe and think, the and the directors and everybody. I think also a really a really cool thing that I picked up on this time is when Mooney runs away from the social workers at the end. You know, mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time showing Defoe just standing up against this wall, and he knows exactly what's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like it's sort of projected to the audience like he could catch her. He could stop mm-hmm. her right now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he intentionally stays where he is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, f- for sure, Um, I guess to me in that moment, it was, it's a very, it's a stunning moment. Um, To me, more what I, I got from him in particular was, like, it was really hard to stand by and watch. Uh, but he had already done what he could. Um, but yeah, he certainly wasn't, you know, actively trying to, you know, come here, kid, catch him and throw him in a van or whatever, cart him off. It was, uh, it was really clearly shown that it was, it was, uh, it was really painful for him too. Yeah. So you know, we've we've talked about our boy Willem. But he doesn't turn, he's not the only one who turns on a great performance here. You know, we've, we've already talked about the wonderful work of Bria, who plays Haley. And I'm so sorry, I turned off, uh, I shut the, the page that has uh, the cast on it. But, um, but the actor who plays Mooney, I mean, their relationship is stunning. It is Brooklyn Prince, I believe, is Brooklyn Mooney's Prince. Actress. Brooklyn mm-hmm. Prince. Their chemistry is mm. impeccable. It's absolutely incredible. never, never a moment on screen when they're together. Do you, does it even occur to you that that's not a mom and daughter? Mm-hmm. It's so real. Yeah. There's a really good scene um, when I think it's, yeah, it's right after they get kicked off of that, the little bit of a nicer hotel where they sell perfume in front of. Mm. They mm-hmm. get kicked out of that, and they're walking on the sidewalk back to the to the motel, and um, and Mooney's like, "Why did she kick us out?" And Haley's like, "It's complicated." And then Mooney's like, "But mm-hmm. why?" Mm-hmm. And like, I I am a big cheese ball. <laughs> you, we all know this, and just that moment, like, think about that for a second. She says, but why? Like, how innocent and simple is that? Mm. And how confusing and complex is that situation that she's in at, at like seven years old? So for me, that same reaction um, came from those scenes with her in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's good storytelling um, that we, we don't know exactly at the beginning why we keep on seeing her in the bathtub more and more. And then it's kind of shown to us that um, that's the safe place where her mom puts her um, while she's having to sell herself um, and sell her body um, to make money enough to keep their home. Um, And just that, that insulated bubble that she's in um, of, you know, she's in there playing, it's bright colors, there's music and you know what's going on on the other side of the door. And, um, and then there's a moment 
when uh, a gentleman pops his head, one of the clients of, of, I guess we would say, of the mom Haley um, pops his head in accidentally into the bathroom. And you can just see like the reality starts to trickle in. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's really one of the best pieces of this movie or one of the real triumphs of it is that they don't need to tell you outright mm-hmm. what kind of mess they're in. Mm-hmm. They don't need to tell you that like they're on very thin ice. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, I think that Haley has one meeting with a social worker at the beginning of the movie, sort of laying mm-hmm. out like, Hey, if, if you don't find a job soon, like we're going to have problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have really just, scenes of them together and you can tell the situation is progressively getting worse mm-hmm. i mean uh, er, early on willem defoe the first time one of the first times we see him is him knocking on her door and i forget i mean it happens so often i forget which one it is but he knocks on her door for some reason there's a complaint i think it's when the kids are spinning on the car yeah mm-hmm. and uh and he's like hey there's an issue and they go clean it up and everything. And he's like, this is the last time. He's like, if, if mm-hmm. I find this happening one more time, that mm-hmm. you're out. And yeah. then he, then he, something else happens. And then she's like smoking in her room or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you smoking in here? He's like, if I find you do that one more time, you're out. Like he, he keeps giving her these final warnings because he, you know, he's, he's a generally a good natured person. He doesn't want to kick out this family that he's like, they have literally nowhere to go. Yeah. And he does all these favors for them, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, but at the same time, they're they're kind of making his job hard. You oh know? my gosh, uh, they make his job <laughs> they make his job near impossible. Right. Yeah. But but um yeah, I mean but he's again but, going out of his way to just, you know, be a good man for them. The stuff with, with the kids running around, like that's fairly normal. Kids bring an ice cream in the lobby, you know, like mm-hmm yeah <laughs> getting into mischief like turning the power off like that's sure stuff that you can deal with on a normal basis good kid but, moments right there <laughs> but like you know when the mom is like going into prostitution mm. and the and there's like a fight you know i mean that yeah, that's that's the, right that's the really hard stuff it's like how do you deal with that yeah. when you care so much about this family and they're so mm-hmm. like the mom is so self-destructive Mm. can i i don't know if this is veering off the subject too much um please we veer okay. off the subject all the time on this show <laughs> okay in okay you right can reel listeners. me back in yeah um i so i heard what you were just saying about you know the the mom being self-destructive and oh my gosh they make the the manager's job hard and all these things um i don't know it just i was thinking about the ice cream, right? Um, and how the kiddos keep they keep on showing them, you know, they they go and um enjoy their ice cream or their soda or whatever. Um, and it's it's just it's it's the joy of those little simple things um that they're um just just soaking in, um, just the joy and innocence of childhood. Um, but then like all the surrounding situations like how did they get the ice cream they actually had to go ask for money for the ice cream because they didn't have you know a dollar or whatever 
And why did they think to ask for money? Well, because the mom's, you know, doing, you know, devious, thieving things in order to get her money. So they've learned that skill. So it's like, it's like the movie has taken like those sparks of joy and those sparks of innocence and it's it's surrounded it by um the real reality and it, it um i don't know it shows the connection between them and like and and how they're not separate like they are but they aren't yeah yeah and i'll i'll be real with you this is kind of where i get into my biggest issue with this movie um because i tristan knows this i have no problem with depressing subject matter on film on in terms of theater like i i will take in depressing yeah. subject matter you've constantly. been in some pretty dark roles too yeah love dark roles love love all that jazz um but i think my biggest problem with this movie is that it both it both manages to show us the absolute lowest point of this of this child's life but also it doesn't commit to it if this movie ended mm. exactly 45 seconds sooner if we did not see that whole running into disney disney world thing i would be so much happier with this movie because when I watched this movie, two very clear mm. things popped into my head. One is the TV show Euphoria. Listeners, if you're not watching Euphoria, I highly recommend it. It's excellent. Don't watch it with your parents around. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a lot. It's great, but it's a lot. Um, uh, and Euphoria is full of these characters who have either of y'all seen Euphoria? No. I have not. Okay. Sorry. So on your own full, here. It's full of these characters who constantly make the wrong decisions and they just bury mm. themselves in this hole of, of depressing circumstances, dangerous circumstances even. And you're watching it and you go, man, I wish you would just crawl your way out. But you know, once you mm. make your bed, you got to lie in it. And they, they are in a endless free fall, just going to the bottom as fast as humanly possible. I thought about Euphoria and how I get so worked up over the fact that these characters are in such a dark place and they keep making decisions that force them into an even darker place. And I love the hope that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but if all their problems, if they showed me for a second that like all their problems were fixed, I would feel cheated somewhat because because life isn't that easy so you feel like the ending of for the project like, was saying everything was fixed no i think no because it's not fixed it's definitely not fixed but i think by them showing uh mooney just having this this sounds really awful and i'm not trying to be an awful person <laughs> but by but by showing her run into Disney World and run into this this very cheery place, it feels I feel cheated because you had this great 
moment where she and Jancy are starting to cry. And if the movie had just ended there, I would have been fine with it because because it's it's like the whole point of this movie is showing us the end of innocence and the beginning of, you know, understanding real consequences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like when they run off to Disney World, even though I know that everything's not fixed, even though I know that there's a ton of trouble still on the horizon, I feel cheated. And that brings me to the, yes, yes, go ahead. I strongly disagree. Okay. Um, I I feel like for me, the experience of watching that painful moment um, with, you know, mom and daughter being separated and the manager who's done his best and the social workers who are just trying to help um, and the kids who are, you know, possibly never going to see each other again. Um, it's, it's so real and it's so painful. Um, and it is the moment where uh, Mooney, you know, kind of has the innocence taken away from her and she does realize, you know, life is, uh, life sucks. Um, but then to immediately switch and see, um, you know, the happiest place on earth and, just the two kids running into this fantasy of um, beauty and happiness and fun. To me, the proximity of those two, like, cause to them that was real. Like to, you know, have you ever had like a kiddo when they meet um, like a mascot or something? Like to them that is real. Yeah. Like there's nothing less real about a kid's experience of innocence and joy. Like it's not fake to them, but we as the, as the viewers of the movie know that that innocence and that fun, it doesn't cancel out the horrible thing that will probably still happen to her. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, to me, it just made it really bittersweet. Um, And to me, it just drove home the point that um, these kids are existing as kids in this really, really difficult situation. Um, Yeah. Yes, yes uh, Mr. Webb. My my take on the end is it's it's not even <laughs> it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with either of what you guys said. Although okay. similar to what Aaron, I guess, is saying, is I, I look at it on a very more on a much more personal level between Mooney and Jancy. And that Mooney runs to the last person she could even think of going to. Jancy, her best friend. She says, you're my best friend. And then she's weeping. And Jancy doesn't know what to do because she's seven or six. I think she's even younger. She she doesn't know what to do. She is stunned. She has never faced anything like this before. Because she lives a relatively, you know, happy life. Like her grandmother takes good care of her. Um, and they are, they are in poverty, but they are doing okay, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and she's never experienced this and their lives are quite different. Uh, Mooney and Jancy, um, their home lives and Jancy sees this and the only, literally the only thing she could think of is Mm. 
what what's the happiest thing I could think of right now? Because I'm a child and I don't know. I don't know anything. And the happiest thing I could think of is just down the street. It's Disney World. And she says, you're my best friend. I want to help you. I'm going to literally take you to the happiest place I can think of because I know no, I don't know what else to do. And, yeah. and she doesn't, it's wordless. She says nothing. She takes mm-hmm. off and she goes. And to me, yeah. that is, that is the beauty at the end of these two girls, their, their relationship and just what it, what it takes, what it takes to process some of this stuff. You know, I mean, it's just so pure to me, that ending. Mm-hmm. And it's like the purity of, of human, of humanity, of human children. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just going to leave off with, because uh, I, th- I think you both make very good points. And like, I totally understand where you're both coming from. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to make my, my final point with the second movie that this made me think of. There's a movie that I saw this past year. It's called Silent Night. It's on Amazon Prime. It's easily the most depressing thing I've ever watched. It is ungodly depressing. Looking it up. Um, Uh, Oh, 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 I was going to say I was going to not look that up. (laughs) I'll give give everyone a brief overview, okay? Uh, This disease is sweeping through, or this like virus, hyperviral virus is sweeping through the earth. And... At midnight on Christmas, everyone on Earth is going to die. Okay. So this group of family members and friends all gather together, and the entire movie is them celebrating their last Christmas together. Okay? That's I can't and, watch that. And I'll, I'll go on. Spo- spoiler warning if you want to see Silent Night, even though it is the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Um, and I think that that movie tries to sort of show this like hope in a peaceful death that these family members are going to go through because they mm-hmm. they they figure out like a way that they're just going to die peacefully and it'll be it'll be over and i think that they show sort of this beauty and this beauty and tranquility in their hope for a silent and peaceful death and then at mm-hmm. the very end of the movie the the boy who plays Jojo and Jojo Rabbit is in it. And he's the first one to die. Oh, gosh. And uh, he dies by accident. And then everyone else, you know, dies peacefully. Um, but they give you this sort of like hope and beauty and tranquility in their deaths. And then exactly 30 seconds goes by and they do a close-up of the actor Jojo's face. And he wakes up and you have this stab of just horror as this child is left on this planet he's the only one who still is alive what of his family and the movie ends what yeah i know i know and okay (laughs) wait i thought he died he did and then he just woke up and he's alive like that seems needless the last shot of this movie is this kid just sitting up and breathing just like (gasps) Um, okay so did everybody w- no wake everybody up? else is dead everyone why did he wake up is i need answers it's a long story honestly it makes okay. no sense but you kind of have to watch oh. the movie for it to make sense mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. um so anyway 
in watching this movie, it kind of occurred to me, the kind of sick person I am, where I would rather have a movie sort of paint this hopeful, beautiful picture and then stab me with something that's depressing and horrific than I would this movie paint me something really depressing and horrific and then stab me with something hopeful and beautiful. Mm. And with that... yeah. All right, so let's score this sucker. Um, so who would like to go first? Tristan, you're you you feel like the kind of guy who would like to go first on this movie. <laughs> I feel movies. I admit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I admit I'm a little bit of a cheese ball. Okay. Tristan, Tristan, right, I'm gonna be real me. with you. Right. Tristan, I'm gonna be real with you. The 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 descriptor for you of I feel movies, I I completely agree with. I think you are the one person on this podcast uh or at least on this podcast but like in our podcasting collective that like you feel (laughs) movies the most expanded universe you feel uh, movies more than any of us that's good though i don't watch movies movies are meant to be felt why else you go to a movie i mean we want to think about them too and talk about them in podcasts like this but we want to feel them Yeah. yeah well i'll go um and i'll be real with you guys this is on my list of best films for me this is number 18 nice. um this movie is gonna get a uh 94 from old web um it's a pretty darn good film for all these reasons i've talked about before i i'm a i'm a very humanistic like mm. intaker of media music like um movies books whatever I mean, I'm there, and this is just that kind of film. So, 94. I think I'm going to give it a 90. Um, so, I think there might have been some pacing issues and uh, maybe a couple moments that kind of wrenched you out of the general uh, natural rawness of the film. Um, but for the most part, um, I think the the script and the directing and the acting it all just enhances um the storyline and and it's it's a very it's a very beautiful storyline um it's very real and it's you know about a population that we don't usually get to see so yeah yeah it's a 90 for me okay so i'm gonna preface this by saying i do not disagree with either of their points this is this is a score that I'm going to give this movie, and I know that it's me. I know that it's me. <laughs> I know that it's me. It's because we're it. kids, right? You, you can't. You, kids are too fun, too fluffy, too... He wants the horror movies, people. No, no, actually, dark. actually, and Tristan can attest to this, I am a huge defendant of kids' movies and <laughs> kids in movies. Um, but, uh, but no, I'm going to give this movie a 70 um okay and it honestly it's the ending it's the ending even talking about this movie i and like i grew to like it more for real if it just ended 45 seconds sooner i would be way more on board with this movie but because Mm. of that ending Mm. it it sort of stains it for me and i know that that's just me i know it's a doug gooden thing and i'm sorry (laughs) sorry to all parties involved that is okay but yeah you better apologize well (laughs) pat uh plugging all that into our patented scoreometer 
That gives us an 84.67. All right. So, which if you round it up, that's an 85, which is a B plus, which is passing what? and then some. That's way that's too low for B. this movie. Why didn't I say higher? Okay, all right. My score still. St- you know, I often think that, average. Aaron. <laughs> overall, overall, Next though, time. this is a good movie that you should watch and form your own opinion of. And if you agree with me that it should have just ended 45 seconds sooner and been a whole lot more depressing, then, you know, you can message me on social media and it'll be a grand old time. <laughs> but uh, yep. but you want to know something, Tristan? This uh, movie was not nearly as divisive as what I think next week's movie is going to be for us. Because we, we've just been getting ready for next week's movie. And there and there's already been like some strong like discourse amongst Dude, the, the whole world the, has been getting ready for this movie. Like, for real though. It's so popular. <laughs> it came out, no one said anything, and then like two weeks later, it exploded. Like to everyone be fair, was talking about it. To be fair, it, it came out on Christmas. It came out on Christmas and like I don't know. I feel like very few people watch movies on Christmas. Well, there, there was another movie that there's a little movie called Spider-Man that overshadowed it. Oh yeah, that actually True. probably has a lot to do with it. But uh, friends, next week we're watching the hot button issue uh, and topic that is Don't Look Up. Um, Adam McKay makes a return to the podcast. Last scene in The Other Guys. <laughs> very different film. I just love the fact that we live in a world where that man can make both <laughs> kinds of movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a fun time, though. Cause I mean, Don't Look Up is like a lot of different genres in one. It's a so. lot of different genres in one. Um, but It was very I, enjoyable for me. I'm very excited for next week's episode. I know Tristan's very excited. And, uh, and yeah, well, Aaron... I just want to say it has been absolutely a joy getting to meet you tonight. This has Thank been lovely. You. This is this is super fun. Uh, you guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, invite me back if you if you. Uh, yeah, to. I would Definitely. love to come back. Definitely. <laughs> this is very very fun. Um, yeah. You know, I think I think one of the real beauties about this podcast, as it's sort of grown and changed, is you know as as the core group of guys has grown and moved apart from, from where it all started in Athens, Georgia, we've also been able to bring in guests from around the country um, and therefore invite even more uh, perspectives into our discussion. So I'm, I'm always down for this. I think it's fun. <laughs> me too. Um, but, well, thanks uh, for letting me be a guest uh, and join the legacy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, Listeners, you can be sure to keep up with all the stuff that Vider Media has going on. We have new episodes of Saying the Skein every Wednesday. Uh, and, you know, we've said for a couple of weeks, T's on hiatus. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do something with T later on. I Look, I bought the subscription to Restream for a whole year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but, wow. uh, but, yeah, be sure to tune in next week as we look at Adam McKay's Don't Look Up. Um, but until then, for all us here at Setting the Skein, I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And I'm Aaron. And this has been Setting the Skein. Y'all have a fantastic week.